Welcome to the Zenov podcast. You are listening to our business resilience series where we bring to you conversations with eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that helps them navigate through journeys of crisis resilience and growth. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Zenov's podcast business resilience series. I am Nitika Goel, CMO of Zenov and your host for today. As the saying goes, a smooth sea never made a skillful sailor, and sailing the lead ship in these turbulent times has been the retail sector. Retailers have been at the forefront of the crisis by providing an uninterrupted flow of essentials, having to pivot and recalibrate its bearings in the wake of COVID-19. Today, I have with me Sumit Mitra, the CEO of Tesco Global Business Services. Sumit has over two decades of experience in outsourcing, client management, and business transformation, a lot of which in the retail space, and is a technology veteran experienced in building and managing large, globally diverse teams. Welcome to the Zenov podcast, Sumit. Thank you, Nikita. It's a real pleasure to be here today. Great. So diving right in, Sumit. Although COVID has impacted every industry in some way or the other, the retail industry has been no exception. So how has it impacted it? And what are some of the key trends you have seen emerging as a function of these particularly trying times? Yeah, it's very interesting. We are seeing some very valuable data coming out of um, Tesco. And obviously, different markets are different. But um, let me talk a little bit about uh, Tesco uh, in the UK, because that's kind of our biggest market, really. Uh, what we are seeing is, is a big change in shopping behavior. Typically, what we would see is customers doing small basket size, but making multiple trips to the shop. But what we are seeing now is our basket size has doubled, but our volume of customers who are coming through the shops and the number of shopping trips have declined significantly. Another thing we have seen very interestingly is typical customer would go and shop around. Like, for example, uh, you know, I would get a good offer of an ex-retailer uh, on fish. I will go and get my fish from there. Or I would go uh, to, to ex-customer, uh, ex-retailer who is doing good in pulses. But that trend is changing. And what we are seeing is they, they prefer uh, retailers who have a big, bigger range. And they can get everything in a one-stop shop. And I'm seeing those behaviors coming through. Also, the type of food uh, that our customers are buying, there is a lot of focus on healthy food. Uh, we are seeing uh, an uplift in sale in vegan and, and as you can imagine, you know, all vitamins and, and, and other healthy products, uh, we, we are seeing a lot of rise in. Uh, online, obviously, as I said to you, we've seen uh, our business go from 650,000 orders to 1.4 odd million. Uh, is that trend going to change? No, because uh, the demand is still there. I think even if we double it from 1.4 million to 2.8 million, we would still see filling our slots up because there is still a huge demand for, for online shopping. Um, as I said, we are seeing a lot of uh, one-time and weekend shopping rather than daily shopping. So there's been a number of changes um, in terms of the customer behavior we are seeing. Whether this is going to last is difficult to say, but um, I think the important thing for us is 
as we continue to make those shopping journeys, whether they're buying online or whether they're buying through stores and make it that little incrementally better for them, I think you'll be able to retain your customers longer term. Very interesting insight, Sumit, on how customer journeys are moving online and that there is a significant change in customer behavior. So my next question to you is that Tesco is a century-old billion-dollar retail company. One might even assume that you have a very traditional outlook on how you do business. So how did Tesco and more specifically your business group manage the changes that were wrought by this pandemic? Absolutely. I mean, uh, if, you, if you think about uh, Tesco being in retail and especially in food retail makes us pretty resilient uh, as an organization. So the impact were to our business in terms of revenue um, was more positive than negative. But with this resilience comes a lot of responsibility because um, we have to feed nations. Uh, we are across eight countries and um, and it's really important to support uh, those customers through these difficult times. Um, just to share with you some statistics, um, at one point in March, we had almost 52,000 of our frontline colleagues who were either um, classified as vulnerable or they were off sick or they showed symptoms of COVID or they had to stay at home, which meant that it created a lot of issues for us to serve our customers. So we uh, acted very quickly. We brought in uh, almost 48,000 new colleagues to come in on a temporary basis to support that uh, trough and pick in volume. If you remember, the COVID uh, started around March, April, when it really was its ferocious best. And um, we had to react because typically a food retailer uh, would go through a little bit of lull after Christmas. And what we do is put out a lot of promotions, uh, you know, multi-pack buying, et cetera, et cetera. But when your customers are panic buying, what you don't want to do is, is uh, do, do, do bulk selling because it would be very irresponsible of you to do so because you want to make sure that food is available to all. Then also there was a huge demand from an online perspective so Tesco typically uh, does about 600,000 orders a week. Um, that ended up uh, being in, in the next two, two and a half months to 1.3 to 1.4 million orders a week. We, we almost, well, more than doubled our business in the online area. Um, and then there are social distancing measures that we need to do in our shops, deal with legislation changes. So there were a lot of number of things that, that we had to tackle uh, as, as individuals. So what it meant was it created a lot of volume back into business services. Now, what was really important is that if ever the business needed business services the most, it was right here, right now. So we couldn't let the business down. So we had to ensure that we deliver everything and beyond what it says on the tin. Um, because what, what was important that during this time, we connect to our purpose. Our purpose in Tesco is to serve our shoppers a little better every day. And 
what was important that how do we rally our troops in business services who are miles away from say UK and they are not used to dealing with Tesco customers on a daily basis especially people who are sitting colleagues that are sitting in India so what i did was connected our colleagues to a purpose the purpose was serving our shoppers a little better and the responsibility of feeding nations and what i said to our colleagues was this is an opportunity of a lifetime an opportunity to feed nations and what was amazing was everybody doesn't matter whether we're doing payroll whether you're doing finance whether you're managing customer and product operations everybody was geared to feed nations and their focus was how do i ensure we serve our shoppers a little better and as i said it created a lot of volume we had to almost get 5 1/2000 people across uh, four countries uh, that business services is to get them to work from home we had to uh, in india it was more difficult because our colleagues did not have um um you know broadband or connectivity at home we almost provided 7 to 800 watt broadband lines at colleagues homes we supplied um you know number of other tools uh for home we had to uplift our infrastructure to ensure uh, we can deal with so much video conferencing etc so we had to do a lot of work in terms of our operations if you think about our payroll team our payroll team had to deal with extra 48000 new heads continue to um, uh, you know deliver sick pay to the 52000 people who were we were off sick so it created a lot of turmoil and and these people worked above and beyond to support this when i talked about promotions our team in bangalore does 100% of all promotion launches in you know from bangalore for uk market and we had to take off almost 30 40000 promotions over a weekend so as you can imagine our contact center in dundee in scotland started taking over 500% more volume of calls uh, especially from a grocery home shopping perspective because there was a lot of anxious uh, customers out there and vulnerable customers out there so which meant that to deal with the volume and we could not have customers waiting on the call for 1 hour to get get it answered so which meant we had to hire 800 new colleagues in 3 weeks to get them ready to support our customers so it's been a incredible journey for us uh, to to kind of support the business and as my ceo would say tesco business services globally hasn't missed a single heartbeat fantastic somit you shared some really great points and i especially like the phrase with great resilience comes great responsibility you beautifully laid out what's the intention the purpose and in the larger scheme of things what will translate into outcomes not just for your business but also the experience that your end customers will be left with so sumit clearly gbs or the global business services has played a key role for tesco in these trying times it would be great if you could share a few anecdotes with us as to how this globally distributed model helped you build resilience absolutely so so we have um, you know I, you know i'm a great believer uh, in in bt i created uh, the global business services across nine countries and it was based on having a hub and a spoke model uh, hub is you decide two or three maximum so i would say no more than two 
because you got to kind of manage and maintain economies of scale. So um, what we did was we built two hubs um, in in uh, Tesco. We have two two and a half hubs, I would say. We have a key hub in in Bangalore that is by default all the work sits there. If there are specific language requirement, then we look at a spoke model which is slightly smaller uh, in size, and we build center of excellence. Like for, I'll give you an example. So. I believe that uh, any consumer call is really important to be taken from the country itself because then customer can relate and have conversations with the in-country individuals. And that's really important. So all our UK customer contact is handled, whether it's um, on emails, on chat, on, on voice, on social media. It's all managed by a team in Dundee. The calls for Central Europe, we are across four countries in Central Europe. That's all managed from our hub from Budapest. Um, Budapest is not as big as Bangalore, but it has around 250 to 300. We will grow up to maximum 400. But what it does, it, it, it speaks the language. It connects to the local customers. So what's important from a hub and a spoke model perspective is you decide why you want it. Is it because of BCP? Uh, business continuity planning? Is it because of proximity to customer or your stakeholders? Or is it because of language? And then you need to decide why it needs to go and how it needs to go. It's also about the right resource at the right place at the right time at the right cost. So when you put all that into a blender and then you look at what you need to create globally. And I think during pandemic, what has really helped us is we were able to flex up and down as we saw fit. Like, for example, when our volumes in, in, in India, as you know, in Indian contact centers, where we needed DOT approval to move work from home, for, sorry, from office to home, we had to get DOT approval. And that took time. We had to work with NASCOM. We had to work with uh, authorities to get that approved. But then our store colleagues had to make those calls when they have issues within the stores. What you can't have at that point when they are inundated with customers and people are anxious about COVID is they have a long waiting time or they can't call a help desk. So we were able to manage and, and, and traffic some of those calls routed to Dundee, so which helped us temporarily. To, to get some relief while we were sorting out our infrastructure in India and then take those calls back into India. So hopefully that makes sense, what I've said. Great point, Sumit. And it's been just amazing how Tesco has come together for the bigger purpose to ensure seamless customer experience despite the current challenges. Thank you for being with us and sharing these great insights with us. Some very interesting points around the evolution of your customer journey, how it has moved online, and how you don't see this trend diminishing. I think our listeners have got a good sense of how the overall retail industry has undergone a massive change and how a company like Tesco, a behemoth really like Tesco, is navigating through these changes and showcasing not just its business resilience, but its anti-fragility as well. Thank you once again for being with us, Sumit. And it was great to have you here. Thank you, Nikita. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you.
For our listeners, don't forget to tune into part two of this conversation as Sumit shares more insights on the operational nuances of the Global Service Center and how it was leveraged to deliver large-scale outcomes, especially when it mattered the most. Thank you to our audience for tuning in to this episode of the Zinov Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zinov's Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes and subscribe to our podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. To know more about Zinov, and if you believe we can help with your problems, please visit our website www.zinov.com or drop us a note at info@zinov.com. Thank you again, and don't forget to tune in to our next episode.